We do thank You for Your Spirit that meets us as we draw near to You in worship, Lord. We're so grateful that we serve a living God who meets us in just such real and personal ways, speaking to our hearts, encouraging us, touching us, Lord. And so we would ask that Your Word as well tonight as we study it together, that it would come alive in our hearts, Lord that you would speak to each one of us, specifically, individually, that which applies into the heart. Give us ears to hear, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please open your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 33. We will be finishing the book of Deuteronomy tonight, Lord willing. Oh, I know. It's been a blessed time. And we're going to look at some really, I think, some beautiful passages here tonight. But it will be exciting to get into Joshua. So uh, it's a nice handoff here, and we'll see it even in chapter 34. As Moses' life and ministry come to an end, Joshua's ministry really begins. And that's, of course, our setting, Moses completing his ministry And the final couple chapters here talk about Moses' passing and Joshua coming up. Chapter 33 is really Moses' final blessing on the nation. You remember Jacob when he came to the end of his years. He called his sons and prayed over them, laid his hands on them, and pronounced blessing over them. It's a very similar uh, setting here. Moses now coming to the end of his ministry and wanting to pronounce blessing over the tribes of Israel, Jacob's 12 12 sons. And we'll see here some of that, especially in chapter 33. And so with that in mind, let's take a look with me, Deuteronomy 33. Pick it up with me in verse 1. Now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Parah, and he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand came a fiery law for them. Yes, he loves the people. All his saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words. Moses commanded a law for us, a heritage of the congregation of Jacob, and he was king in Jeshurun. When the leaders of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. So, beginning his introduction for this blessing that you'll see he's going to pronounce on each of the specific tribes, he begins really with just this exaltation of the Lord. Just really blessing the name of the Lord, reflecting on God's faithfulness and goodness to this people. The Lord has come. He came, he says. He dawned. He shone forth to this people. And as we see here, and we see this throughout the Scriptures, that it is always the Lord who is initiating. It is the Lord that is coming. And uh, these children of Israel in Egypt, it was the Lord who came to them, brought them out into this place, and then came to them with the giving of His truth, of His word, of the law. And so even we see in the New Testament, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He came to the earth. God is looking to come to us. God is looking to initiate 
His relationship with us. And we see it throughout the Scriptures, a law for them, the blessing of His Word. You know, His Word brings truth and light, wisdom. Where would His people be without His Word? Where would we be without the Word of God that He has given to us and entrusted to us? I love what it says there in verse 3. Yes, He loves the people. This is important to remember that God is a God of love. God is the one that comes after us, comes for us. He is the initiator in relationship with us. God loves you. God is ever coming towards you, moving towards you with grace, with love, inviting you into relationship with Him, into a deeper walk with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. We'll take a look here and read through these next verses. You'll see Moses getting very specific with the various tribes. And we'll just read it all the way through. And uh, there are some beautiful expressions here of God's blessing. Uh, We won't take time to commentate on each and every tribe. Just I'm going to read it through tonight, 6 through 25. You'll see these blessings. But I do want you to notice that it is a blessing. Uh, Moses is pronouncing a blessing on these people. And we pick it up in verse 6. Let Reuben live and not die, nor let his men be few. And this he said of Judah. Hear, Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him to his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him, and may you be a help against his enemies. And of Levi, he said, let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa, when, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. And they shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Of Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him, who shelters him all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. And of Joseph, he said, blessed of the Lord is his land, with the precious things of heaven, with the dew and the deep lying beneath, with the precious fruits of the sun, with the precious produce of the months, with the best things of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of the everlasting hills, with the precious things of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush. Let the blessing come on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. His glory is like a firstborn bull and his horns like the horns of the wild ox. Together with them he shall push the peoples to the ends of the earth They are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. And of Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out, and Issachar in your tents. They shall call the peoples to the mountain. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness, for they shall partake of the abundance of the seas and of treasures hidden in the sand. And of Gad, he said, Blessed is he who enlarges Gad. He dwells as a lion and tears the arm and the crown of of his head. He provided the first part for himself 
because a lawgiver's portion was reserved there. He came with the heads of the people. He administered the justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel. And of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp. He shall leap from Bashan. And of Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord, possess the west and the south. And of Asher, he said, Asher is most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his foot in oil. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze and your day as your days. So shall your strength be. So we see just this blessing. He calls out each tribe and beautiful sentiments of blessing upon blessing to the tribe. Finally, he says, and he finishes up here in verse 26, he He says, there is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to help you and in his excellency on the clouds. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say, destroy. Then Israel shall dwell in safety. The fountain of Jacob alone in a land of grain and new wine, his Heavens shall also drop dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you, and you shall tread down their high places. I just find some real beautiful expressions here in these last few verses after he calls out specific blessings for each of the tribes. He now pronounces just a general blessing once again over the nation. And he begins by declaring that there is no one like our God. He says there in verse 26, and a beautiful, just a a beautiful way to say this, who rides the heavens to help you. And I just thought of that, you know, how the Lord again will, will come to help. We, uh, we had a concert here Sunday evening, a real blessed time in the Lord, beautiful time of worship and a lot of wonderful music. And uh, one of the lines from the songs said, you know, I would, I would go to the ends of the earth to let you see my love for you. Kind of something like that. I'm probably not exact on the quote, but uh, that, that's what I thought of when I was, was kind of looking at this passage, who will ride the heavens to help you. God will, will look the ends of the earth to come to help. God is pursuing you in your life to help. Second Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. You know, I want you to turn with me now to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. This... This thought just kind of stuck out in my heart here tonight. There is no one like our God who rides the heavens to help you and in His excellency in the clouds. The heart of God over His people. Moses, His, his, his last words over the nation, reminding them of how much God loves them, reminding them of how committed God is to them, and that He would ride the heavens to help. In Luke chapter 15... We have a number of parables, and we'll just look at a couple of them here because I think it expresses this heart of God that is coming and will ride on the heavens to help. uh, Chapter 15 and verse 1, it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. 
And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Beautiful picture of a shepherd going after the one lost sheep and carrying him back upon his shoulders. Look at verse 8. Or that woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, She calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The next parable, which we won't take the time to read, is the beautiful parable of the prodigal son, who's lost but comes home and his father runs out and embraces him because he's watching and sees his son coming while he's still a far way off. And again, it just expresses something of the heart of God. And I think it's captured here for us in Deuteronomy when Moses said, you know, there's none like your God, Israel, who rides the heavens to help you. God is always available to help. He will move heaven and earth to help. He will ride the heavens to get to you. Nothing will keep God from helping that heart that that turns to Him, that calls out on Him. Just a beautiful picture of God's commitment and His love over His people. You know, I know that the enemy tries to defeat us in this area, tries to make us feel disconnected from the Lord, tries to make us believe that maybe perhaps God is disinterested in our life, and maybe it's because of circumstance, and maybe it's because of the way things are going. They don't seem to immediately change, and even when we turn Him in prayer... It doesn't seem to get better. Sometimes it gets worse. And we can, we can, if we're not careful, we can imagine that somehow God is just really not that interested, not that available. Uh, you've heard you know, people say silly things. He's too busy. I don't want to bother Him with that. But that's not the heart of God. God will ride the heavens to help you. God is committed to you. It may not be in the, you know, in the visible answer that you want right now. But trust me, the heart of God is never, He never grows weary, He never slumbers, He never sleeps. He is ever committed to you, watching over your life, and He will come to you in your time of need. He will meet you in ways of comfort and peace that passes understanding. When you need Him, He will be there. He is dependable, He is faithful, and He is ever looking to save the lost. You know, um, when I was a, a young boy... At the beach, I got lost one day. And I, was, I think I was about seven or eight years old, and I remember it so vividly. It was quite a traumatic day for me. You know, our family, we went down to the beach, you know how you do, and there by the surf, and you just kind of set up a little camp there. You put towels down and ice chests, and we were camped there as a family. And so I went down into the water, you know, to play in the surf like you do. And 
Well, somehow, I guess there was a current that day, and it kind of moved me down the beach, So, and I didn't realize it. So when I came out of the water to go back up you know, to the towels and the family, they weren't there. I had been moved by the, by the, by the, by the tide. And in my mind, I thought I remembered the lifeguard stand that we were by, but I was way off. So I went even farther away thinking I was going to find them, and, uh, of course, they weren't to be found. And I, I, a whole, the whole day went by. Uh, and I, was, I, I circled around this lifeguard station, uh, you know, the, the lifeguard stand. And the lifeguard was up there, but I was, I was just too scared to go up and tell him that I was lost. I, it was just like, and I circled, and I thought, oh, I need to tell him, but then, oh, I can't, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I kept walking the beach. I was just sure they had to be there. Hours went by, and, uh, you know, of course, my folks, they were looking for me, and uh, they thought maybe they'd lost me in the surf, you know. They didn't know, and, oh, my goodness, it was a terrible thing. And I, so I went behind the, the lifeguard stand, and, you know, I just laid down in the sand, face down, put my heads down, put my head down in my arms, and I just started to cry. You know, yes, it's... <laughs> It was horrible. <laughs> and what I didn't realize is that my dad was looking for me. And he had got the lifeguard, and they were on the Jeep, up and down in the lifeguard Jeep, looking for me all, all along the beach. So I'm laying there in the sand, my face down in my arms, just crying, and I, I hear this Jeep pull up, and a voice, the lifeguard, uh, Excuse me, little boy, are you okay? And I looked up, and there's my dad in the Jeep. Whew, I can still remember it. <laughs> he, he said, Richard! I was in his arms before he could finish saying my name. I mean, I was so glad to see him and him me, and we just embraced. And it was a great ending to a very bad day. <laughs> And they shot the day for everybody. They thought I was lost. Why didn't you tell the lifeguard? Oh, I, would, I was scared. I didn't want to, you know, yeah, you are when you're seven years old. But, you know, I still remember that. It's still a fond memory to know that my dad was out there looking for me, as, as any good father would. And, you know, the Bible says that if we having earthly fathers who are really, you know, good but not perfect, if they know how to show love and care, for their children, how much more our Heavenly Father? I'm telling you, He will ride the heavens to help you. Sow that into your heart tonight. Know that He loves you. Know that he, He's always available to you and will come to you in your time of need. You're never lost with Him. He will always be there to help and comfort and, and meet you. And that's what Moses is saying to the children of Israel. Israel, there's no God like Him. You're never going to find a God like this one. He loves you. He will come for you. He will ride the heavens for you. He says in verse 27, He will be a refuge for you. You could turn back with me now to Deuteronomy. He'll be a refuge for you. Remember the psalmist in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I love that where he says, Underneath are the everlasting arms. You know, you have that picture of God will catch you if you fall. You know, he, He's a strength, He's a refuge, He's a help, and beneath it all 
are the everlasting arms. And you cannot fall out of His reach. You cannot escape His love and His care for you. You cannot go to any place that He can. He will not come to you, that He is not there in your midst. He'll catch you if you fall. Verse 28, you will dwell in safety, a place of abundance, a place of blessing. He'll bring grain and new wine. You know, I, I like Jesus when He said, you know, God wanting to pour new wine into new wineskins. This new grain and new wine, it's a, it's a symbol of God's prosperity, God's blessing, God's loving upon His people, providing for His people. And so Jesus, I think, picking up on that same theme, saying God wants to pour new wine into our lives. But in the context, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees when they were wondering, you know, why, why don't your disciples pray or fast? And Jesus said, well, that's because the bridegroom is with them. They're, 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 we're not here to kind of patch up the old religion. We're not trying to meld in something of old that's dead and stiff, but God is pouring, doing a new work. And this is the context in which he said, you don't pour new wine into old wineskins, but rather new wine into new wineskins. And you know, I think God is still looking to bless with grain and new wine. God is still looking to do a fresh and abundant work in the heart and life of His people. And we need to be that new wineskin. God's not looking to come and bless the old. He's not looking to patch up the old. He's looking to make all things new. And as we surrender to Him, and as we, as we come to Him in faith, there is a newness and a blessing that God ministers into our life. We will dwell in safety. And I like what He says there in verse 29. Happy are you, O Israel. Look what He says. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? You know, that's a question for us today. Who is like you, a people saved by God? Who can you compare to the people that God has brought salvation to. You know, it's just this this realization that, you know, God has saved you. God loves you. Who is like you? A people saved by the Lord. A beautiful expression. You know, he said something like this earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason, we may call upon Him. You know, Moses is trying to remind this nation of how privileged they are to know God and that God is so committed to them. Who's like you? Oh, Israel, who can compare to you? God has saved you, a people saved by the Lord. It reminds us of Paul's expression to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 3.18, praying for the church. He says, I pray that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, who is like you, Christian? Who is like you, believer, a people saved by the Lord, the blessing of God's love and God's fullness upon your life? You know, you have much to be thankful for tonight. If you're saved of the Lord, who, what can you compare salvation to? What can you liken the love of God to? Nothing compares. He loves you. Your sins are forgiven. He's saved you. He's given you an eternal hope and a peace that passes understanding. Something else that stood out to me just 
kind of in, in summary on this passage, was Moses' heart for this people. And you've got to remember, Moses has been out with this people now for 40 years. And he's had some real ups and downs, hasn't he? I mean, he's been journeying with this people. And you think of all the experiences that Moses had caring for this people. Uh, Paul references this nation. He said he calls them the church in the wilderness. This was Moses' multi-million member church that he was pastoring out and shepherding out in the wilderness. And I just see something of a shepherd's heart in this man, Moses. It touched my heart. Encouraged me. It's, it exhorted me. It's like, you know, Lord, that's, that's the way you want your heart to be for God's people. As I said, Moses had some ups and downs. I mean, this people caused him a lot of trouble over the years. He lost his temper with his people on more than one occasion. And in fact, one of his moments of frustration, you remember, he misrepresented the Lord to the people. The Lord wasn't upset and angry, but Moses sure was. And he, he acted as though God was upset and God disciplined him for it. This people and the frustration that Moses experienced would actually keep Moses from ever setting foot into the promised land. But in spite of all of that, all the ups and downs, all the trouble, all the difficulty, 40 years of pastoring this group, seeing a whole generation rise up, a new generation, you see the, the pastor's heart come through. He pronounces blessing upon blessing. Oh, that God would bless you. I want you guys to go in and experience the very best of the land. Through it all, his prayer is only for God's blessing upon his people. And this is the work of God in the heart of his people. That he would create a love for his people, particularly, of course, in the, in the ministry of a shepherd, a pastor, Moses' leadership role. But I think this is, it kind of gets back to a little bit of what we looked at in, on Sunday morning, 1 Corinthians 13. That idea that as God's heart is impressed upon your heart, it reflects in love and care and blessing. Oh, Moses, Moses could have just gone through a whole list of troubles. You know, I'm glad to be done with you people. Let me, rem- let me remind you what we've been through. And he could have just gone done the checklist. You remember when you did this? You remember when you rebelled here? You remember when I warned you against this? You're- and he could have gone through. But that's not what's on his heart here at the end. Oh, that God would bless you. Oh, who's like you, Israel? Uh, people saved by God. He'd ride on the heavens to meet you and help you. And just you hear this shepherd's heart. A couple of passages in the New Testament that encourage us to have that shepherd's heart, certainly to pastors and those that would serve and lead in ministry. But I think there's ministry for all of us. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. That whole chapter is Paul sharing his heart with the Ephesian elders and leaders. But he says this specifically in verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The Apostle Paul, you know, he had his troubles with the churches too. A lot of challenges with the people. But you hear the shepherd's heart, oh, that you would take care of God's people. Remember that they are his people, they are his flock, and that he has purchased them with his own blood. You see, Moses knew that these were God's people. 
Moses understood that God had bought them. God had redeemed them. God had brought them out for his own special purposes. And that endeared them to Moses. Because they were important to God, they became important to Moses. Because Moses loved the Lord. And the love of God was in his heart. Peter would say this, 1 Peter 5, verse 2. Peter would say, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Peter, you know, he had some ups and downs too, didn't he? Peter's the the same guy that said, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive my brother? Seven? Would that be enough? Remember, kind of looking to... How long do I have to put up with people, Jesus, and and still be kind of considered gracious? Jesus said, no, 70 times 7. But here now, Peter, later on in his ministry, later on after he's been at work in the ministry and the Holy Spirit has filled his life, transformed his life, he says, guys, shepherd the flock of God. And he says, do it as an example because Christ ultimately is the chief shepherd and as you, as you shepherd His sheep, you're doing it on His behalf for Him. And He will bless you for taking good care of His, his flock. And this, of course, has great um, application to pastors, to those in ministry and leadership. But it really does have application into all believers. You have to remember that God's sheep are important to Him. Even the even the ones that are difficult, even the ones that are troublesome, even the ones that, that aren't quite you know, living the way they should or behaving the way they should or treating you the way they should, they're still the sheep that He purchased with His own blood and how He calls us to love on them. And we see it here in Moses. It just stood out to me, Moses, after all these years, His final words, Oh, Israel, that you be blessed. God loves you. He's for you. He's with you. Finish up here with me in chapter 34. We'll close out Deuteronomy. Just the account of Moses going on to be with the Lord. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan. So God, Moses got this bird's eye view of the land. And all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh. All the land of Judah as far as the western sea. The south and the plain of the valley of Jericho. The city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. 
Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him, so the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land, and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Beautiful finishing testimony of Moses' life. He died uh, according to the word of the Lord. That's the way you want to go, isn't it? According to the word of the Lord. And as, as his days were, so his strength was. It says his vigor, his, his eyes, his strength, he was still vibrant. He just went to be with the Lord. That's the way it is. That would be the best. If your strength can last your days. You hate to have your strength run out before your days, you know. But this is what God blessed Moses with. And it says this beautiful testimony that, you know, God uh, saw Moses face to face. There's, other, there's another passage that says that the children of Israel, they saw the works of the Lord, but Moses knew the ways of the Lord. Moses had an intimate relationship with God. It wasn't just knowing the works and the handiwork of God, but it was understanding the heart, the mode of the ways in which God worked. And this comes through relationship. This comes through spending time with God, through spending time in His Word, and the Holy Spirit beginning to reveal into your heart and impress upon your heart who God is. As you study the Gospels and we look at the life of Jesus, what are we doing? We're seeing God face to face, aren't we? We're seeing the very, the very hand of God in the flesh, in the person of Christ. Moses had his witness. We have a powerful witness in the testimony of Jesus and the Holy Spirit within us to give testimony and, and you know, confirmation to that truth and that light. God wants to reveal himself to you. God wants you to know him in an intimate and personal way. And that knowledge will affect you. It will change your heart. It will transform your life. It's a truth that has great power in your life and in your perspective on life. I encourage you just to reflect on these passages tonight and just consider the blessing, consider the favor of God, consider these encouraging words that God is with you, that His everlasting arms are beneath you, and uh, that we would just kind of close out this, um, this book with those... Uh, blessed thoughts uh, of reflection on the Lord's love and care for us. I'm going to pray. So, Lord, we do thank You for these last two chapters, God, of the book of Deuteronomy. We're encouraged tonight, Lord, because we see the hand of God so expressed through the life of Moses. And, Lord, just something of Your love for us expressed in Moses' prayer of blessing over the people. Lord, I, I want to close tonight in just a couple of thoughts for, for prayer. Of course, Lord, I want to give opportunity for anyone that might be here that doesn't know the Lord. So if you're here tonight and you don't have that personal relationship with God, you know, God, God is drawing out to you even now. God's the initiator. He will ride the heavens to help you. He sent His only Son to die on the cross for you. He loves you. He's expressed it. He's, his Spirit would call out to you even tonight.
If you don't know the Lord in a personal way, but you sense the Lord drawing you towards Him, I'd love to pray for you if you want to receive Christ and receive the forgiveness and the mercy that He offers. Maybe you need to rededicate, recommit your life to Him. You're distant from Him. You've grown cold in your walk, and you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you're like one of those lost sheep. Yeah, you're a sheep, but you're lost. You belong to the Lord, but... You need to come back to Him. And it may be that the shepherd is calling out to you tonight and wanting to put you on His shoulders and bring you home. You were lost, but God is calling to you to be found. So that's my first prayer response here tonight. I have one other, uh, at least one other thing I want to pray for tonight. But firstly, if you're here tonight and you do not have a relationship with God and you want to come to faith in Christ or you would like to rededicate your life to Him, recommit yourself to Christ, I want to pray for you. If there's anybody here tonight and that's your heart, please raise your hand, let me see you, and we'll pray. Anybody here tonight, you want to receive Christ? You need to rededicate your life to Christ. Anyone among us? God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Just before I pray for this one, anyone else? The Lord speaking to you, and you need this prayer. And so, Lord, I do pray. I pray that you would meet this heart that's crying out to you tonight. And Lord, I'm so confident that you will because I believe you're the one that is pursuing this person. You're the one that is riding the heavens to hell. You're the one that is drawing him by your spirit tonight. And so meet that heart, Lord, and we would simply confess, Lord, we would simply say, God, forgive me. I confess my need of you. I I want to be one of those people saved of the Lord. And I know that salvation is found only in Jesus, what you've done for me at the cross. I receive it. I ask you to cleanse me and, and pour a new wine into my heart, a new spirit, a new life. And help me to live in the newness of what you have for me. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What I'd like to do, just before uh, we, I close a little early here tonight, we finished up, I'd like to go ahead and sing another song of worship. And then I do have one more prayer request for those that may need prayer. But let's, let's just sing a song of worship together, and then we'll, uh, we'll close in one more opportunity for prayer. Oh, God, how I need
sins run steep, your grace is more, and grace is found, is where you are, and where you are, pray for some of you tonight that the Lord may be ministering to in a specific way. And I'm going to try, uh, just have it in my heart, I'm not really sure how to verbalize, I'm going to try and put into words what I think uh, God is wanting to address tonight in a heart. So I ask you just to bow your heads with me for a moment. And This is what I sense going on in some hearts tonight that the Lord wants to encourage and speak to. It may be that you are right now facing something, a trial, possibly. Maybe not anything even specifically that you could put your finger on. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But, but this is going on in your heart. If you were to verbalize it, you would say, I feel and sense a distance from the Lord. I don't want to think this way, but it's actually beginning to affect my thoughts. I'm, I'm wondering about His faithfulness in my life. It's kind of become a great discouragement to me. I've cried out to Him. I've turned to Him. I, I've tried to, to reach towards Him, but I've not sensed that that anything has changed, almost as if heaven is not really attentive to my cry and my need at this season. I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling discouraged and overwhelmed. And to that heart, if that's your heart tonight, I, I really believe that these passages that we looked at, God wanted you to hear them that you would be reminded once again that though there is a time of tears and those who sow in tears they will also reap in joy that that which you feel and sense even in a time of loneliness and distance from the Lord even in that place even in that place of shadow the Lord is with you and His everlasting arms are beneath you. But yes, He's allowing this. He's allowing this sense of dryness that your roots might go deeper. That your faith might mature stronger. That your trust and confidence in Him would burn stronger. There is a work that God is doing in your life. This is not a time to, to give up. 
This is a time to not grow weary in well-doing, but to trust me and my everlasting arms and know that I will ride the heavens for you. I will come to you and I will be there. And I'm with you even now and you will reap in due season if you do not lose heart. So that's my sense of what the Lord wants to speak into hearts tonight and I'd just like to confirm it with prayer. If that is something that is very specifically ministering to your heart, then I think that I would ask you to come and join me here at the front. There may not be any of you. It may be one. It may be many. But if that's you, come to the front. I think the Lord wants you to take a step of faith right now and say, Lord, I'm going to receive that. I'm going to receive that word. I'm going to take that into my heart. I'm going to let your word encourage me. I don't see it yet. I don't even feel it yet. But I believe you're speaking to me and I want to receive it now in prayer. And I just want to affirm that God, you've got your everlasting arms beneath me. God bless you. So you that have come, listen to these words again. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun. Jeshurun's another reference for Israel, God's people. There was no one like the God of His people who rides the heavens to help you and in His excellency on the clouds. The eternal God, listen, is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say, destroy. And then Israel, my people, you people here tonight, you shall dwell in safety. The fountain of Jacob alone in a land of grain and new wine. And his heavens shall also drop dew. Happy are you, O my people. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty? Your enemies shall submit to you and you shall tread down their high places. I just believe the Lord has that for you tonight. That's his word for you tonight. He loves you. His everlasting arms are beneath you. And let's just pray that in a confirming prayer. Lord, we trust your word. Lord, this is your word by Moses to a nation of Israelites, your chosen people. And Father, we live even today under a better covenant. We live under the new covenant, having come, having this old covenant being replaced by the new and better covenant. We have a better high priest, Jesus himself. We have better sacrifice for sin, the very blood of Christ. We have even more fuller promises. The Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our midst. And so God, for your people here tonight that are just 
crying out to you, Lord, from the bottom of their heart. I pray that you would meet them and that these words would bring comfort and strength. And Lord, that you would bring it to pass, that they would walk not by sight, but by faith, that they would trust you, they would embrace these things tonight, and that in so doing, Lord, you would bring it to pass in your time, that they would not grow weary in well-doing, that they would not give up, that they would not lose heart, that they would not lose faith, because their God is faithful, and our God is almighty and powerful, and He keeps His word. Think about it. As, he, as Moses passed, he said, This is the land I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hundreds of years of promise being fulfilled. And so, his promises to us are true. God, we receive them tonight by faith, comfort, and strengthen your people tonight. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen. <laughs>